And and what is with you guys that can like rebuild bikes and do all this crazy setup, but computers is not your forte. <laughs> oh gosh, no, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll build you a house, but don't ask me to like program your computer. I mean, huh. <laughs> welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, your source for motorcycles mayhem. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. And isn't that funny how people say not to be an asshole, but you don't want to be an asshole? You're 41 and started a race career. My skin met the asshole. But these new new ways kit my... I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. I have to stop talking shit. All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever the two of cocaine Technically, all chaps are assholes, right? My chaps are asshole. All right, everybody, welcome to another amazing episode of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Did I say the Creative Writing? Mm, I like that better than Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Hey, teach a man to ride a motorcycle, and he'll ride for days. Teach a man how to be a motorcycle and watch him ride away. That's uh, made it from yours truly. Thank you. Oh boy. Well, I'm now accepting donations for comedy school if you're interested in paying for them. All right. Well, welcome to the show. First things first, how y'all doing? Hope you're, everyone's doing good. If you like the show, please uh, subscribe in iTunes, give us a rating, uh, try us out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Pocket Cast, Google Play Store. Uh, we're, we're just about everywhere that you can find a podcast. If, if you found somewhere that we're not at, uh, let me know. We'll, we'll get you there. We'll get us there for you. Hey, uh, quickly... Correction corner. I want to do a little correction right here in the second minute of the show. Stupid, stupid me. Last weekend talking about the flat track and oh, how some people don't know what they're talking about. And then I went on and fucking talked about Davis Fisher and I totally meant Brandon Robinson. And I uh, I apologize to Brandon Robinson and I was reading off some notes that I had from a long time you know from last year I guess and Davis Fisher had ridden the XG uh, to do a little bit of I don't know testing and stuff on it uh, and this is back before the regular season is closed out so when I started talking about this season and you know talking about how Indian has been sweeping it left right and center boy did I feel dumb after going back and listening to it and going Davis why I'm talking about Davis Fisher and I had Brandon Robinson's face in my head but I had just looked at some paper you know minutes before that said Davis Fisher on it and I was like oh my god so feel bad about that sorry uh, and then I had looked up Davis Fisher's stats which of course you know he was like the uh, 2015 singles champ and so last year he didn't you know uh, I felt so dumb but anyway yapping on about flat track and and talking about the Harley team and and uh, you know Kenny Coolbeth not to uh, uh, change my opinion or backpedal from last week Coolbeth you know I didn't I guess I didn't realize he was the winningest rider alive with 37 wins but he's still. Uh, hasn't won a championship in almost 10 years. He won them in uh, six, seven, and eight. Um, and I don't know. So 
in in my opinion, hey, maybe Davis Fisher, do you see him at the Springfield mile come from nowhere? Him and uh, Jeffrey Carver was doing pretty good. Um, coming out of nowhere to, to sneak up and, uh, you know, Sammy Hobart basically dro- broke up the triumvirate. If you don't know what the triumvirate is, oh man, go listen to uh, the History of Rome podcast. But yeah, the, the I couldn't believe the the powerhouse finally broke up. But Smith still retained uh, his podium, and it was literally oh my god! If you you got to watch it, it was almost like a photo finish. You know what I mean? I thought he lost for a second, and because uh, when they're running over the stripes there at the end, um, they're running through the starting little uh the the starting rows and i couldn't tell which one was the line or not and he really didn't finish until he went across the line first you know what i mean it was like he was behind going through those things it looked like until until they went across the line and sam halbert came out of nowhere well not out of nowhere he was he was reeling him in uh surprisingly i've seen it before in all sorts of racing and in uh you know, MotoGP, World, uh, Moto America, even in car racing and, and I don't, you know, maybe NASCAR and stuff like that. They talk about where you get guys that work together and then they come up through the pack and they catch the leaders because the leaders are duking it out. And the leaders got out ahead, you know, maybe even like minutes, you know, a couple minutes or, or, you know, just a huge, huge gap on the field. And people work together in the back to draft each other and whatnot. And the leaders are going back and forth so much that they're not just freight training down, down the front straights anymore. They're not, you know, keeping up the momentum when they're, when they're uh, swapping back and forth. So pardon me, the lead did swap uh, a few times uh, between Baker, Meese and Smith. I mean, they all three led a little bit there. Uh, I think Smith got credited with, uh, leading the first 13 or lucky 13 lap or something like that. So he, he led the first, first part of the race. They swapped on and off toward the end there. And then out of, you know, like I said, seemingly out of nowhere, although he was reeling him in for a couple laps comes Halbert and Fisher is coming up there. And I was going, man, Fisher is a good rider. I think Chris Carr mentioned that Fisher back in 2015 was one of the best flat trackers that he'd ever seen. So, uh, maybe Fisher in lieu of Brandon Robinson or Kenny Coolbeth would have been a better choice on the XG. They'll, they'll never know now, you know, the team is set and I think they probably have contracts, uh, until at least next year. So I have to wait till this season plays out. But, um, yeah, factory Harley didn't finish so great. I think Kenny Coolbeth blew a hose. You know, Harley doesn't do water cooling real well. Well, I shouldn't say that. They only have one water-cooled bike, the the V-Rod, right? Until the uh, Milwaukee 8 and shower heads and stuff showed up. Today's tangent brought to you by Nitrous Chris Motorsports. They only had one water-cooled bike, and it did very well. They use it in their... Uh, the V-Rod Destroyer race bike for drag racing. And that thing is awesome. I actually heard one go by me the other day. I was riding in and uh, one went past me and those things sound sweet. And I'm thinking if I could find a V-Rod motor and put it in something, I would because uh, I don't like the bike, but that motor sounded so good, sounded strong and reliable. And it's kind of sad that they may or may not be doing away with it. If they're going to do a hundred bikes and 10 years they need to keep that motor around slap it in a different chassis that was your unnecessary random tangent brought to you by nitrous chris motorsports
But anyway, getting back to flat track. Um, yeah, Factory Harley did not finish so great. Uh, Kenny Coolbeth blew a radiator hose uh, and coolant went out on the on the track. And then the next thing you see is Robinson and Johnson uh, head over heels, uh, wadding it up into the air fence. And apparently uh, Kenny Coolbeth took him out, you know, with some water that was, was down there on the ground. And when you see dirt tracks, you think, you know, what's a little, excuse me, what's a little water on the track, but you look at those things and they, they're laying down rubber on dirt, dude. You can, some, you can hear the tire skidding sometimes when they're, when they got the cameras in close or they got a microphone out there, there's, there's rubber down there. You're And when they're on the miles, especially you can see that blue groove. They're not technically running on, on dirt. It, it hurts. I mean, it's like hard, hard dirt, almost like, you know, I guess the softest asphalt you could ever hope for. Right. But the thing is, is that like water going down on that stuff, uh, makes like a slick, you know, it's almost like having water over on dirt or dirt on asphalt or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, it makes it real slick. So apparently that's what happened. He blew a, blew the hose off there, blew the line and, uh, threw some water out there or coolant, whatever they, you know, I think they're using like water wetter sort of stuff. And those guys just took a tumble. So he took out the rest of the team and then, uh, repaired his bike and I forget where he finished, but it was not good. And he was bummed, man. He had this look of uh, abomination on his face. So yeah, that was, that was pretty sad. Um, in other news, podcasting news um the false neutral they're making some host changes if you listen to the false neutral they announced this week they're making a couple different uh lineup changes uh just due to some responsibilities and handing off of uh you know the, the show over to um i think eric's the one's taking it over or garrett i forget uh but yeah they're taking it over and um I don't know, just a little little bit of swap up there as they transition to a new sort of thing. And one of the hosts is leaving to pursue some other stuff for a little bit, maybe back. Uh, Front End Chatter, they talked about electric bikes. Um, it's I forget where, where it starts in that show, but that was a good one. Uh, Front End Chatter, always entertaining. They talk about racing. They're both moto journalists for, uh, you know, multi- different magazines. And so they were talking about... Uh, you know, always full of whether it's racing news or whether it is, uh, you know, actual bike relevant bike news that you can use. Those guys are the bomb. If you if you want to know something about a bike, I would listen to those guys because they actually test write them and then write reviews for magazines. And they'll tell you about all that too. Hey, you, you got to say something nice about this bike, you know, because you're riding it for this magazine. And they actually did an episode on that where they say, no, you actually don't. Or I'm just, I get, I get 20 minutes on the bike or a, half a day. I don't, I'm not going to figure out every foible that it has that people complain about years later because we got, you know, six hours on the bike or three hours, if that. So, yeah, interesting show, but they, um, not to digress, they they went into electric bikes and uh, racing and, of course, the Alamans going off this uh, week. So, yeah, it was, it was a fun, fun show listening to them. Uh, Wingman's Garage, they did a wonderful uh, Nikki Hayden tribute. They put their Brat Part 2 on hold to uh, talk about Nikki Hayden. And so if you, uh, you know, you want to hear about some, some stories and 
uh, you know, just everybody, everybody paying tribute to Nikki, and we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, Pit Pass Moto Weekly uh, out of Des Moines, Iowa. They're a radio show, and they also have a podcast that you can uh, pick up. They ha- had industry giants. Now, now Pit Pass is a two-hour radio show. They have every week uh, racers, uh, industry people, you know, promoters. Uh, um, mechanics, you know, I don't know. There's, there's all, all range of people in the industry. Come on that show, big wigs, little wigs. And this week they had a lot of people. They had Don MD on, they had Kevin Schwantz. They had, um, uh, Danny Walker, um, Dave Despain was on Ralph Shaheen, uh, all these great, great guys. Um, I think John, uh, Ewart, who was the uh, director of road America, every, a lot of guys that, touched Nikki, um, or had, you know, raced with him, coached him, um, you know, at the track, hang out with the track with him, um, you know, racers and, and legends and stuff and announcers and all sorts of people paying their tributes and just talking about what a great guy he was. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, the throttled podcast this week, uh, talked with the aim expo, um, founder, Larry little. And so if you want to know all about aim expo, uh, and for what's happening next year and everything, that was a good show. Uh, writers on the norm, they did a little congregation show recap and they're announced some show changes. This is exciting. Uh, they're announcing that they're one of them's taking, um, the little guy, Wes, he's taking, um, I think he's knocking his regular works work day down to three days a week to produce the show. And I'll tell you, man, podcasts are hard. Even crummy ones like this one is, is a lot of work, lots of hours of editing and they're doing it twice a day. They're doing or twice a week. I'm sorry. They're doing it Mondays and Fridays and hell, you know that it, it takes cutting stuff together, getting guests, putting music in, um, doing research or finding out about shows and vanning, as they say, you know, all that stuff that they're working on, it, it takes time and it's just the two of them. They don't have me. It's just one of me. And, uh, I can tell you, like, I wish sometimes that I just had somebody to even like throw some notes up for me or get something ready for me. It's like, I got to do all that. And then I got to do this and then I got to edit it. Like the talking part is easy. The research part is easy. I do that stuff at work all day. You know what I mean? So when I get home at night and I'm just sitting around instead of watching shows and stuff, I love motorcycles. And if I'm not riding, I'm reading about it. Right. And checking out what's happening in the scene. That's the easy part. The hard part is like, writing it all down, getting organized and then editing it together. So when he said he's, uh, you know, getting to, he's starting writers on the norm, uh, media, I think ROTN media and cutting down to three days to, uh, bring a, a quality podcast. I got it, man. Like it, it's a uh, long hours in the seat and it sucks and good on them for doing that. Uh, dog, ha- <clears throat> pardon me, the dog house, uh, two wheel radio podcast talked about rolling thunder this week, which is really cool. Rolling thunder. Um, shoot. I think my wife sent me a, an article on that from the news. I think I'm not hundred percent sure if it was rolling thunder. The article was talking about, but, but the, the one that I looked at at the Korean war, uh, vet memorial, it was had like 900,000 people show up. It had to have been 
Rolling Thunder, but they were saying how it's grown over the years from like 30,000 people to like nearly a million people over the weekend. So, um, yeah, I think Warren actually helped out with some of that stuff and, and organizing some stuff down there. And, uh, they give a good review of that. And they also talked about, uh, Nikki Hayden. Of course, they always talk about their great, great race coverage, but they, uh, they also had a little tribute to Hayden. Finally, the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast this week, uh, our favorite podcast in the world, covered the Sheet Iron 300, and it is what it sounds like. It's a 300-mile rally over Sheet Iron, and um, no, it, it sounded fun. They uh, hooked up with the guy who started it, I believe, who is also like a member of the Oakland MC. They did, it, it's kind of like, sounds like LA B2V, the LA Barstow to Vegas, where it's like off-road most of, the, most of the time. So you have to have like a street legal bike to do it. Kind of sounds like the NorCal version of that. And it sounded like a total <clears throat> total blast. So uh, they also did a little bit of uh, talking to Matt Harris from 40 Cal Customs, who builds, you know, a lot of Harley uh, scramblers and trackers and stuff like that. Plus, uh, sounds like Liza did some sword fighting with the child with a gigantic dildo. So go check out uh, this week's podcast from them and uh, <laughs> get ready for the hijinks. They did not do a tribute to the great, late, great Nikki Hayden. So speaking of the man, Nikki Hayden, um, you know, last last Monday of last week, let me get this straight. He is, of course, when he passed and, and that whole week was just an outpouring of, you know, support and, you know, grieving and everybody remembering Nikki. And then this Monday, uh, that just passed, uh, um, he, he was laid to rest and the town of Owensboro, I couldn't believe, you know, how just, I don't know. His dad's devoted to that town. That family was devoted to that town and, and proud of the town. And the town was proud of them as well. And it and it showed the town allowed uh, a motorcycle entourage to escort Nikki's um, body to the services and everything. And over 2,000 people showed up on bikes. And it was awesome, awesome to behold. Um, little video of it already, I think, on YouTube. But I think the uh, Nikki Hayden fan page streamed the services live because they didn't feel they felt like as much as many people uh, as, as love the guy around the world and and um, you know just it, from all facets of life and all facets of the industry, motorized industry, not just the two wheeled industry. Uh, they thought it was you know for those who couldn't be there but wanted to commemorate and, um, you know, remember him and, and just, uh, you know, see his final, you know, the final services for him, they would stream it. And I thought that was a pretty classy move to make. So yeah, that happened. And, uh, just seeing all of the support and, and, you know, stuff like that is really cool. Uh, now the stories begin, like, where do you go? It's funny. The, the girls from the Fox Valley leaders, you may remember a couple episodes ago, we interviewed those girls and the, a new, a new story begins for everybody. I, I think I said on last show, it felt like a, a chapter has closed in motorcycling, like a motorcycling era has sort of come to an end, um, with the passing of Nikki and a new one begins. Like, where does the family go? And, um, you know, especially the heartbreak for him and his fiance, who were just like recently engaged, I believe. Uh, and, uh, you know, the heartbreak and the 
hospital bills and all that stuff doesn't stop. You know what I mean? Like it, it, a new, a new unfortunate chapter opens up for everyone else, and you and you just have to wonder where everyone goes from here. Only time will tell, and obviously we we don't know. We'll just have to be uh, have to look. But the girls, um, like I was talking about, the Fox Valley lead is making an interesting point about you know the heartbreak that his fiance must be going through and and her sense of loss and all that stuff. The stuff that you kind of don't think about the uh, the secondary and tertiary effects that uh, the passing of someone uh, great and very beloved like Nicky Naden has on uh, the world and on his family. So yeah, pretty interesting week. Um, still. Interestingly enough, uh, Hayden Gillum, if you know, we talked about him a fair bit last year. He was the man in the van with a plan. Yes, he is a super diverse uh, road racer. And also this uh, year, he's a flat tracker. He won the Peoria TT, I think, last year. Uh, cousin of Nikki Hayden. He won the AFT singles race and then uh, went down, I guess, after the race, they uh, boogied on down to Owensboro and were, you know, the Haydens got together, um, all the cousins and family got together and celebrated Nikki by uh, tearing each other up on a racetrack and having fun, all that stuff. So uh, congrats to him. And uh, it was a super good race. I, I, he's, he's a guy to look out for because, like I said, super diverse road racer. He sort of reminds me of J.D. Beach where he's tearing it up on um, he races Suzuki's um, on the in the AMA and then also on the flat track he's racing the Suzuki too so uh, Jesse Janish came in uh, second and Colby Carlisle third Cameron Smith and Kyle Johnson coming in fourth and fifth um, th- none of those names if you know these guys are probably in my estimation very close to the top five. Of course, Shana Texter, I think, got bumped off the top spot. She did not make uh, the finals. And um, unfortunately, I didn't see the heats. You know, the, the cool thing about uh, I wanted to mention fanschoice.tv is that you can watch it anywhere, right? And I've been complaining about the bandwidth lately and, you know, the first few races of the season. Well, this this weekend, it was awesome. It was just crystal clear. And I, I had, at least for me, no, no pixelation, no stumbles, no reloads. Um, the great thing about it is I think it's because it was split. You know, the AFT uh, singles race, the TT, on um, Saturday, and there was lots of air and lots of action. I mean, that was such a fun race. The funny thing is that the I know the the other guys, you know, the, the pro guys on the uh, to the twins, a few of them were out there in the expert class on their singles. I guess they don't want to give them up. Just they don't want to get shabby in case they change format here in a couple of years. You know, they still race in short track on those things. But, uh, you know, I think Jared Meese took first in the expert class, even though it wasn't part of the uh, AFT you know, twins that he's racing in, um, you know, the other series, but, uh, no matter. Yeah. Hayden Gillum, uh, taking first in that. So I, I don't know if he's a TT boy or, uh, or what, but I think he took Peoria last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just a good all around great rider and, uh, reminds me of beach reminds me of the Hayden's how, you know, super versatile on the road and, uh, on the dirt. So enough about that. Uh, quickly, I guess I should, uh, mention one more thing. Um, I entered this thing called the podcasters challenge. It's actually called the motorcycle podcasters challenge. And, 
the guys over at the uh, Loud Pipes podcast put it on. It's uh, an annual podcast they did. I remember them talking about it last year, and I think the guys over at the Throttled podcast uh, took the took the title last year but basically it's a it's just an annual challenge it's a writing challenge amongst motorcycle related podcasts um and it's got two goals here um one to promote writing amongst the uh, participants in a fun and engaging format and two to broaden the publicity for all the involved podcasts and increase audience participation that second part is important to me because as a single man podcast you know it's easy to see how you could get asked out in a competition. Their podcast has three guys. Uh, a lot of the other podcasts have two or three guys. Um, Cleveland Moto and Wingsman's Garage has like 800 guys. And uh, yeah, not, th- not that they're necessarily participating, but um, of the ones that are, I know they, they have at least two. Um, some of them have three. I have one. So this year, the way you can help out is the audience come participate as well they've got all the rules up if you go to motorcyclepodcasterschallenge.com motorcyclepodcasterschallenge.com there are some rules up there and uh, right on the right hand side of the page the 2017 rules they got a charter it's very um I mean, it's laid out like a, a lawyer must have done this a very highly paid lawyer um from the movie the devil's advocate Uh, I think is the one who typed this up because these rules are simply devilish. But uh, yeah, no, checking it out and looking at all the guidelines. Last year they had a miles uh, challenge, if I'm not mistaken. And so it would be really hard for me to, you know, especially these dudes riding down to Barber and all this crap, pulling 2000 mile weekends. That'd be hard for me to keep up. So this year it's a little bit, a little bit better because they have um, a Scrabble style, uh, let's call it a scavenger hunt style um, challenge. And what they do is they're going to pull six letters every week, and you need to go around and find a city with uh, some of those letters on it. And I guess you can do one or you can do all. The rules are pretty, pretty uh, extensive here. So let me see. All right, here's the skinny, and I'm not going to read you everything because it's pretty detailed. You got to get your lawyer and uh, go over and review some of this stuff together. But basically, they're going to be drawing uh, letters out of a bingo type wheel. Um, They're going to exclude Q and X, right? And so what they're going to do is they're going to pull six letters every week. And I think it's only three weeks long. It's from June uh, 22nd to July 12th. So however many... uh, Week, I think that's like three weeks. Is that two or three weeks? Something like that. But anyway, uh, so they're going to pull six letters per week. And what you're going to do is you're going to drive around to a town or a municipality. And there's a link on that website that'll take you to like a Wikipedia listing of all uh, towns and municipalities in America. So, for example, hamlets, villages, crossroads, unincorporated stuff. That doesn't count. It has to be on this list. Um, and so... They're going to go and you got to choose a, a, one of the six letters and then go find a town. So they're saying, for example, Charlotte would be worth 37 points. And then you can go look at the points breakdowns for letters. So you spell out the word and each letter is worth a certain amount of points. And then, bam, there you get it. And then there's going to be a bonus um, 
complete all letters for the week and you receive a five point bonus. Um, team members may submit letters from previous weeks during the subsequent week to earn half points. I'm going to have to do this because for that first 10 days that they're running this thing, uh, I'm going to be out of the state and I'm not going to be in a state where I can just like ride to. That would be awesome. I'm going to be in a state completely surrounded by water. And so I'm going to try and, and I'm going over there for some motorcycle related stuff. I'm going to try and procure uh, a motorcycle and do the challenge while I'm there. But if I can't, this is where you guys could come in because uh, there's bonus points for mileage. And that's also broken down. I'm not going to go into that. But here's the here's the kicker. Listener participation. Listeners of each podcast are invited to join the challenge by also writing to the municipalities from the selected letters the week to be eligible for additional bonus points. And uh, you got to sign up. You have to... Uh, Tell them that you're riding for creative writing, and it's all available there on the MotorcyclePodcastersChallenge.com. There's a sign-up sheet. There's a rule sheet. They'll give you, uh, you know, I've already signed up and received like a confirmation, and it's told. It breaks it down like the real deal, baby. You would think that uh, Johnny Cochran was serving you this um, subpoena. For, for your records. But yeah, it's legit. You got to, you know, take a picture of your speedometer, make sure that works. I'm glad my, that's like the one thing on my bike that works or else I'd be asked out of this challenge altogether. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like just, um, looks like audience participation is encouraged and that's what I need. I'm going to need some of you guys like Paul and, and, uh, Chris in Wisconsin and hell anybody, anybody that, uh, does long distance rides, please help me out here. And, um, you know, get some, get some crazy letters. If you live in like Alabama, um, like CB Fisher down there, uh, man, I know there's, uh, states like, or cities like Tuscahookalakiana. <laughs> That'd be a lot of points, man. So yeah, anybody that can, anybody that wants to participate, I think you have to sign up by June 7th. So make sure you do that. Go check out the rules on MotorcyclePodcastersChallenge.com and help me out, man, because uh, I'm a w- one wolf pack and I need some help, baby. So, yeah, yeah, that's that. Check that out. All right, let's get into the show. I got uh, s- some more stuff I want to talk about. We talked about uh, flat track racing, which you know is my passion, and uh, stay tuned for the Birdman Mile that's coming up next where they're racing in uh, Birdman Scores Adonia. And let's get into a little bit of um, the WIR's top 10 list. Now, the WIR's top 10 real street drags, there are heads up drag racing, none of this, you know, tree countdown, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 bullshit. No, they go up there. The bullshit stops when the green light drops right and it doesn't literally it lights up but the uh you end all the fights when the green light lights i don't know but you get the point they go out there and they blow their hard-earned paychecks on these ludicrous bike upgrades in order to just win doritos from each other and have ultimate bragging rights in wisconsin for who is the best uh real street dragster this weekend they are lining up and they're taking hopefully round two now, I talked to Mr. Uh, Chris Singsheim, who is number two on the list, and uh, the weather is not looking good. It was supposed to be like 70 and sunny during the day, 
and which is when they are working because it's Friday and then take a turn for the terrible, the but terrible worst um, and do thunderstorms in the evening, which is when they race. So hopefully it does not do that. And um, I, I forgot what was going on with the list last time. So I called up Chris to see what was going on and uh, check in on the uh, WIR top 10 real street drags. And um, this is what we talked about. Let's get into it. Yeah. What What's the action? Like what's, if it goes down even, what's, um, I mean, are you going to call out Michelle this weekend or yeah, Friday? I, I kind of did that already. I don't know if I did it on Facebook or if it was like an off the cuff comment somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I made some smart ass remark about calling her out, not taking it easy on her. Yeah. Is she, yeah, I think I read that. Yeah. Is she nervous? Uh, a little bit. She's like, she's trying to give me this like, for me, attitude like she's just gonna throw in the towel and why bother trying to? I'm just gonna run right over her. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, damn right, I'm gonna. <laughs> you may have known her for a long time, but that doesn't mean you got to be friends on the track. Exactly, she knows that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I gotta think off the top of my head. Um, I think Ryan Skiba. Pulled his bike off because he didn't have enough seat time on it, and he was kind of struggling with some new setup stuff. But I think this Friday he's going to come back out and try again. You got a few minutes to kill. I can kind of give you what I've been struggling with on mine. Yeah. Do you want it public or off the record? Oh, anything I I say about my stuff, you can you can tell anybody you want. I don't care. All right. So I changed a bunch of fuel system stuff on my bike over the winter. Went with uh, bigger throttle bodies, bigger injectors, but I left the tune in the ECU. I left it alone. So the bike was going off of that map, and it was really over-fueling the bike. Hmm. So I figured now would be the time to play with E85 because you can burn about 20 to 30% more E85 than regular fuel. Hmm. So basically I went from pump gas, just regular 93 to E85 and the bike ran really good. Like for not changing the tune up at all, it ran awesome. That's what I started out this year on. Well then I noticed the E85 was actually starting to eat the paint around my gas cap. Oh geez. Yeah, the vapors where the gas cap was kind of vented. I got to screw in, like, Vortex gas cap. Yeah. And uh, the vapors of the fuel were actually leaking kind of out of the gas cap. It turned the O-ring on the gas cap to mush. Oh, jeez. It started peeling the paint back on the tank, yeah. So I'm like, you know what, this is a sign. You know, I've heard people say, you know, there's horror stories about if you're not completely converted over to E85 capable that this can happen. So my gas tank only holds two gallons. So I figured if I only keep a gallon in there while I'm racing and then switch back to 93 and let the bike sit when I'm not doing anything. Right. Heavy dilute. Thought, yeah. Heavy dilute it with 93 or with just 93. Yeah. I, you know, I thought I'd be okay and it, it just, it didn't work. So I figured that I just, it wasn't, it wasn't worth screwing around with it anymore, so I went back to pump gas. Well, then the tune-up was so far off that I couldn't even make a full pass with the bike. It wouldn't accept 100% throttle. It was yeah. just loading up on fuel 
feel that bad. Was it just bogging? Yeah, it was bogging so bad. I was. That's how the last uh, list race went for me. So I was in and out of the throttle, just trying to like limp it down the track. And uh, you know, luckily I I won, but it wasn't by much. Yeah, it was luck. It was luck, basically. Right. So I needed to find a way to start adjusting the map and get into the ECU. So I got all the the Woolock racing software and the harness on the bike so I can actually flash the ECU on the bike on the fly now. I remember, you know, Goldmeyer's like throwing his bike together. Two, I'll be there in two hours, you know, and, and his parts literally came. Somebody else's parts didn't come, and it was just like you couldn't script that stuff better. You know what I mean? For a for a show, they would always over overplay that stuff. But watching you guys, it's like happening in real life. You know, <laughs> totally. He's the UPS guy drops the package and before it hits the ground, he's like got his box cutter open and running to the garage, you know, slapping his bike back together because he had to pull it all apart. And I was like, Oh my God, that was, that was a rad weekend to, uh, just to pay attention to the boards and everything. Um, so yeah, this weekend, it just seems with the rain and everything imminent, it just seems like everybody's not as pumped, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the worst is when they forecast rain, like a week before we're supposed to race, everybody already goes, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys really have limited time to, you got 10 spots on the list and you got limited, uh, you know, you do it. You guys basically do it the first Friday of every month. So you really have limited, limited chance at climbing up this list, you know? Yeah, for every event that we don't get to run or finish, it's uh, yeah, that's that's three or four rounds of racing we don't get. Yeah, call the the first event we only got one round of racing in. Yeah, and then you know there was a big couple oil downs, there was a rain delay, and then that big wreck. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming they fixed that already, but that sounded like it was gnarly. Like that guy took out a ton of the, uh, the armco or the guardrail. Yeah. They said like 200 feet got wrecked. God dang. What, he just slide yeah. along the top of it or something? I didn't, I didn't see it happen, but, uh, just hearing what people were saying, I guess he got loose towards the top end of the track. It was one of the faster cars too. So it was a, one of the blacklist outlaws, they call them. Uh huh. And uh, he was probably, if I had to guess, that caliber of car that they race, he was probably doing 150 or better when he hit the guardrail. Yeah, so that you're not slowing down. It probably takes a couple hundred feet before you uh, slow down at that speed, man. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the other fun thing about watching you guys is because you never know. It's almost like the weather. You never know how many runs you're going to get in, so you never know if it's going to be... You know, who's going to, does Michelle only have to stay on top four times this year to stay, you know, champ? Because I know she was just, oh man, she was livid <laughs> last year, last round. Guy came and knocked her off the top right at the end there. And oh man, she was like, can I call him out? Can I call him out? And they're like, wait, wait, you got to, you know. And uh, I could tell she was just jumping out of her skin knowing that she had to wait all winter to yeah. uh, to go ahead for, for last month. And then. What his bike blew up or his clutch blew up? Yeah, he, uh, he 
He was testing during the day that Friday before our uh, list racing was going to start. There was a track rental going on, so he was up there testing. And uh, I don't know exactly what he was doing. He was working on a clutch, doing or changing something. And then there's the studs that stick out of the hub where the clutch springs basically bolt to. I believe he broke two of those studs off the hub. Oh, nice. Right there at the track with hours to go until racing started. (laughs) Yeah. God. And I think he ended up towing his bike to Gullmeyer's house. He doesn't live that far from the track. But then uh, Gullmeyer was busy trying to get his bike together to get to the track to race me. Gullmeyer literally messaged me when I was driving up to the track. He's like, my parts just got here. Will you wait for me to run first round? (laughs) That's awesome. like, well, I'm like, if, if you want to run, I'll leave the bike in the trailer till you get there. We agreed to off the trailer, so I won't test. Yeah, that's rad. He, he showed up. I went over there, and I'm like, everything good? Like, you didn't forget any nuts and bolts? I don't want you going off and getting hurt. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you want to wait a little bit? He's like, I'm kind of coming down off my high right now. I'm like, yeah, man, get back and relax a little bit. We'll get our first race in. So we got we got Michelle at the top, Nitrous Chris in second. We got Jake and Jason in three and four. Okay. Uh, Dustin in fifth with Justin in sixth. Okay. And then Dylan, Busa John, Preston Ryan, and on deck Minich. And this was May seventh. So was that that was after your first round, right? That, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So now Minnick is still broke, so he won't he won't be there for this Friday. He's he's been struggling bad just to get parts. Like, yeah, he's been on deck for the last <laughs> for before the season even started. Yeah, yeah. We had a, the first event. We had some shakedown passes that uh, he was trying to get his bike sorted out, and the motor let go at like three-quarter track and that was it oh the dude cartridge. did it blow all over the place or did it just uh give out it yeah luckily everything stayed inside but i think what happened just looking at the damage is uh i think he missed or was a little late on a shift and nipped the limiter and it knocked all the exhaust valves out of one cylinder oh and it was shoving parts into the other cylinders, like jumping through the intake. Whoa. So wait, explain that to me. He's uh, He hit the limiter and it revved so hard that it sh- literally like started forcing stuff through the intake around to the other other cylinder? Yeah, yeah it blew, uh, blew all the heads off of three of the three of the four valves in one of the cylinders, so it destroyed the combustion chamber. Oh, dang. Destroyed, yeah, the head's junk. It completely destroyed one piston. But then as soon as that, as soon as the heads of the valves were gone, it started blowing chunks of parts up through the throttle bodies, and then the other throttle bodies will suck them back in while they're floating around in the airbox. Right. So it, there was debris from one cylinder in the other three cylinders. Damn. 
And his throttle body's got junk now too, or can they get? Uh, did it just like suck through like the open, like through past the butterflies and stuff? Just went past the butterflies. The throttle bodies are all still good. Damn, that's crazy though, dude. That that when it, and it probably just happened in an instant. It happened so fast, like it was. It was making a clean rip, like it sounded strong, and then all of a sudden it didn't sound strong. <laughs> stuck huh (laughs) that's rad well yeah no i i I don't know his um prior performance either so it'll be interesting to see him calling out jason then and see who because he's in fourth so that means he's not too shabby either no yeah his bike's no slouch his 14's pretty stout yeah he bought a zx12 that uh it's a really quick bike, had some motor work and stuff done to it, but he, again, he got on a dyno with it and had a failure on the dyno. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so he basically, he couldn't start this year with that bike, so now he can either run his 14 where he left off last year, which is what he's doing right now, or if at some point he gets the ZX-12 fixed and ready to go, he can pull the 14 off and start from the bottom with the ZX12. Yeah, Michelle, she she um I mean she's always giddy about little changes and I didn't hear anything about her from her over the winter. So did she just like get it dialed in before the winter time and now she's been setting it on like autopilot or what? She's just she's just like a fucking machine. Yeah. She rocks out. Yeah. She she's like one of the only people I know with Mostly stock motor Busa that cannot ride the bike for six months, hop on it, and be within thousands of a second of what she runs every other time. Dude, it's it's that female brain, man. They are. Everybody says they make better drag racers, and I get to witness it every time we go to the track. Mm-hmm. She made four passes tonight that were like, you have to look at the times that she made the passes, like the actual clock time on the top of the time slip to decipher which one was the first one and the last one. Man. I'm just like, I don't, I can't make heads or tails of your passes to where to even tell to make improvements. Yeah. (laughs) You're running like a machine and it's to the point now where I'll go watch her make a pass and I'm just like, do whatever the hell you want. I don't know. You're doing fine. Tell her, tell her, hey, wait until you wait until you see the green to twist the throttle, and then you know. (laughs) (laughs) This is why when she starts asking me about, like, are you gonna go easy on me? Are you gonna spray it? Are you gonna how bad are you gonna beat me? Shut up! Don't worry about what I'm doing. wants to start making some more improvements to the bike to start picking up a little, you know, running a little faster, you know? And I'm just like, holy Christ, created a monster. Yeah, she's you gonna, did. She's going to be walking all over me and I'm going to be scratching my head. Yeah. 
Her bike's in my trailer right now that I just unloaded. I'm just going to start strapping lead bricks to it everywhere. Yeah, that or like let, let uh, air pressure out or something, you know, <laughs> like little things she won't notice. Put some itching powder on the grips or on the seat. Yeah. Grease the seat so she doesn't stay put. Yeah. Win, win or lose between the two of us is almost irrelevant because we both put in the same elbow grease to make these things run. Yeah, you... um. You ought to wear a fake mustache and some sunglasses all all day just to throw her off. And she'd be like, what are you doing? And you just say, don't worry what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> get her get her weirded out and then uh, just blow her socks off at the <laughs> when the race goes down. That, that might work to my disadvantage, the way she works. All right, that was our boy, Chris Singsign. Thank you, Chris, for the insight. I know it wasn't a rundown of everybody. Next time, we'll try and check in with Jason Shu, who is the manager of the uh, stock wheelbase class, and we'll see what's happening on the boards with those guys. Uh, Took a peek, and I'm not 100% sure about this weather, folks. We'll have to see what plays down uh, Friday night in Wisconsin and see how the if the real street drags gets to make round two uh, a go or not. All right, well, let's move on to something else, something uh, exciting and new, a new guest to the show, uh, also from Wisconsin. What the heck? What the heck, Wisco? You're taking me over. You're going to mail me some uh, cheesy cheese curds, squeaky cheese, and some crappy beer so I can become like an honorary member, an honorary resident of the state of Wisconsin. So our next guest, well, you know, I always step all over these things, but let's just say it was a super huge, huge pleasure and uh, a learning experience for me to talk to our next guest and, uh, you know, what the hell, bop into this interview and uh, this may be the last time you hear me. So have a good ass weekend, y'all, and get out there, do something bike related and party. Don't forget, check out the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. I've thrown stuff up on uh, Facebook and uh, website, so go check it out. And if you don't hear me before the end of the show, peace. Hi, I'm uh, Amber Mall, and uh, I like long rides down the Cherahala Skyway and uh, race fuel-scented candles. Surprise, surprise. Our next guest, her name is Amber Mall. She loves race fuel-scented candles. I'm going to let her reintroduce herself and take it away. Amber from uh, from Burlington, Wisconsin. Um, been riding eight years, and uh, it's kind of my lifestyle and all I think about now. Um, started on the street and had a friend get me into drag racing a little bit and then moved it to the track and just now ice biking, and now I'm a coach, and I don't know when it's going to stop. Oh, my God. So that's me i guess <laughs> that sounds awesome before we jump off the uh into the world of motorcycling and riding on ice with studs in your tires and uh we'll come back to that that sounds amazing um what do you do what do you do up there in uh burlington and and by the way is that what the burlington coat factory is named after <laughs> it's actually not but in burlington we do have a pretty awesome chocolate factory, Nestle. Uh-huh. So the town does smell like fresh baked brownies, oh, like dude. half half the time. It's amazing. Oh my god, Motor- <laughs> motorcycles and brownies! I think I'm. I know where I'm moving next. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I work at a small remodeling company. It's about 50 people. They do interior and exterior. I work in the interior department, um, project coordinator, 
And so I pull permits and set up schedules for kitchen remodels and bathroom and get to drive around all the job sites. So love that. Um, try to do some side projects. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's what I do to try and pay for stuff i suppose yeah yeah i know you gotta everybody i know has to you know feed the beast somehow Somehow, (laughs) yeah so while you're driving around are you just wishing like thinking about i could be on a motorcycle right now or well when i started i didn't have a company car yet Mm. and i was like yes i'm gonna go pull permits and meet at job sites when i don't have to deliver materials on my motorcycle and it did work out sometimes. I'd make sure to wait until Friday afternoon to pull permits, just take the motorcycle and ride to the different town halls to drop off these permits. And it's fantastic. And the good and the bad part is that they got me a company car. So it's like, yay, wait, wait, can, can I have a motorcycle instead? Yeah, <laughs> like delivering drywall and stuff isn't so easy on a bike though, I bet. No, not so much. It, it, uh, it shrinks as I drive down the road. Let's get back into motorcycling. You said you started about eight years ago and you've already done drag racing and ice racing and turned from the street to the track. I have to know where the very, very beginning was. What was your, what was the first bike you ever swung a leg over? So life started and I didn't even know it. Um, I had a, a boyfriend that rode and, uh, I rode on back and, and absolutely loved it. The only downfall was his head was always in the way. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I kept kind of pushing him like, it's like, I don't, I shouldn't be on back. So mm-hmm. I didn't actually tell him, but I went to uh, Gateway Technical College. It's not far from here. And I took the class and learned how to ride. And one afternoon we were going to go for a ride and I pulled his bike out of the garage, started it up. And he's just looking at me like, what the heck? And showed him my license like, check it out. I got the M. I got the endorsement. And um, it was awesome. Um, Didn't get a bike yet. Wanted to finish school. And uh, so later, let's see, the next year, 2010, I believe, I have my notes here. So I got my bike pretty much St. Patty's Day, 2010. And um, didn't last with that boyfriend, but motorcycling, I guess that's I realized that that's kind of all that mattered for a while. Yeah, I was going to say when you got boy or when you got a bike, you don't need boys, right? It's one beer. Exactly, it's one beer or the other. <laughs> yep. Um. So my first bike is a 2001 Honda CBR 600, my little F4i, and uh, her name is Chloe. Beautiful bikes. She's my baby. I still have that bike. Um, that's, I started off with just riding around town with friends and uh, I didn't really venture out much. I was kind of more shy and not necessarily that confident to travel everywhere. So getting the motorcycle and starting to do that stuff really kind of broke out of my shell to, uh, to start doing all these different things. And cool. uh, I guess it escalated from there. Yeah. Do you start meeting more people? Well, I mean, it's just kind of that thing where when you get into something new, whether it's like painting or biking, you, you, you usually kind of meet, start meeting people that are in that right away. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, ton of people. Um, we would go out to group rides and that's actually how I met, uh, Nigel Christ. Cause uh-huh. I met him through, um, motorcycling group of friends. 
and uh, yeah. Man, every, everybody knows everybody up there. How the I'm? It's like I feel like I know half of the sport bike riders <laughs> in Wisconsin already, and I don't, you know, I'm thousands of miles away. But that's pretty amazing. So that's I, that's what um, gets me, and it that's why I, I love motorcycling is because you meet one person, and all of a sudden you meet you know, 50 people because all of their friends ride and they know people, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of like this huge net, like a big family. It's like the, the internet before the internet was motorcycling and, and it still kind of is, which is great. This uh, is an amazing family. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, I mean, as terrible as technology is, it is super cool to be able to contact everyone, know when rides are going on or when different events are. Yeah. Especially for you, someone that hates to you know, not be on a motorcycle. Like, if you could have an office chair that was shaped like a motorcycle, would you just sit in that all day? Absolutely. Uh, when I used to watch MotoGP races at a friend's house, we would be in his garage, and I'd actually sit on a motorcycle while watching. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've conducted interviews in my garage using my motorcycle as a chair because I don't really have a setup. But, you know, it was, like, late at night, and every, the family wasn't here. So, yeah, I was sitting on the bike with the computer on the workbench uh just going to town yapping it's it's an awesome place to conduct business <laughs> that's therapeutic yeah uh, yeah and it gets you like in the mood like yes i'm on a bike talking about bikes this is excellent it's almost like the next best thing to being at like a, a meetup or something um for sure what was your se what was your second bike um, I actually have had my Honda this whole time, the little F4i, and this year I just picked up um, my new bike. Well, um, I kind of felt silly because I was like one of the only people with only one motorcycle, <laughs> right. which That's I know is a silly thing, but so silly. Um, I just picked up a, an 08 Suzuki uh, 600, a Gixxer, uh -huh. and that's uh, for the track only. Uh -huh. That's an excellent so vintage that for that for that bike too that's a good uh that's a good year for that yes it's actually an old uh ama bike so it's uh it's more than i need yeah <laughs> i will be learning so that was kind of my christmas present to myself um and then i also picked up for valentine's day uh honda crf 150f oh, man. that's a little dirt bike um and then i'll put some ice bike tires on it unfortunately when i got it there was no ice on the lakes but uh, I guess I'll have to learn how to ride on dirt now, too. Yeah, absolutely. And water, hell, if you're going to be around the lake, you might as well learn to ride on water. I saw a video once, you know, it, it, it kind of worked. I was going to say, <laughs> I've seen people skim, you know. Uh, hey, Robbie Madison did it, that you could do it, too. So, let me get this straight. Ice biking. <laughs> That's something I'm totally unfamiliar with as... <laughs> basically uh, living in California. So you're going to have to uh, explain that one to me a little bit. I can do that. Well, uh, it gets cold here in Wisconsin, so a form of keeping sanity is still try to ride. And uh, when the lakes actually get thick enough and freeze, um, we take dirt bikes and put studs in the tires. And uh, it's kind of like dirt bike flat tracking, but with ice. Oh, my God. It's extremely good grip. Um, better than on the road actually and uh tried that uh a year and a half ago absolutely loved it you're wearing warm gear and so being cold isn't a problem you're working out really so it, you stay nice and warm and 
it, it was just so much fun. It was, I've never done actually any dirt biking, so to hop on the ice and try that, um, we convinced a friend that I've never actually been on a motorcycle before, which wasn't true. And he kind of looked at us like, you're, you're really gonna learn to ride a motorcycle on the ice? And as I took off, he goes, this isn't our first time. He says, well, how do you do a wheelie? Yeah, you'll do okay. <laughs> and um, actually, surprisingly, I, I did really well. And maybe that's why I liked it so much, because I, I wasn't the worst person there. <laughs> Um, so, sure. Jen, so you've got something for every, I mean, every place you go. Are you one of the only people, too, that hasn't owned a Ducati or doesn't have a Ducati? Not yet. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that. If you say not yet, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that little that little CRF 150, that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, you can get in, into trouble on a 150, but you can also have a heck of a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. So far, it's been good in the yard. Yeah. No um, No track days on that thing? <laughs> no, not on that. I I got this, the uh, the GSS, GSXR in uh, for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I didn't get a chance to ride it yet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all winter long. And, of course, I didn't want to work on it or anything because it's freezing in the garage. <laughs> so, actually, just last week, I got to take it out for the first time. Oh, my gosh. How... It, did it, it blow was, your socks off or what? Well, I didn't actually get to do a track day for myself. It was with the organization I work with. Uh-huh. Um, but it rained and it was freezing the whole time. Oh, right, right. But it was so fun still. Hashtag because Wisconsin. I forgot about that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So out of all of them, I mean, it doesn't sound like you fully got to, you know, even enjoy the the fruits of your labor so far. But what's been your favorite one either that you've either owned or that you have maybe even borrowed i have been very fortunate to be able to ride so many different types of bikes um conveniently one of my friends does own the ducati shop uh other friends have been so gracious to let me ride uh some of their bikes and just try all these different things so um from ktms to to (laughs) harley's um yeah just all the different bikes. Out of everything, though, um, my little O1 FRI is my favorite. Yeah. It's it's done everything I've wanted it to do. You know, that's the bike I drag raced on. That's the bike I took on long road trips uh, on the on my first track days. And it does everything that you want it to do. It's it's fifty thousand miles. I'm just close to fifty thousand miles and. I'm just doing maintenance on it to where I have the engine out and then really cleaning it and everything. And it's, yeah, that's, that's my baby. Nice. <laughs> just doing your first oil change on it. Huh? It is a Honda after all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I get it. I've owned all sorts of stuff and ridden all sorts of stuff. And yeah, luckily have had friends that own just about one of everything from like vintage race bikes to giant baggers. And I still have a little, 250 that was my first street bike and I love that thing more than like all the big bikes I've ever ridden you know what I mean have you ever heard someone say that they're glad they got rid of a bike I mean everyone when they say oh I I have that bike man I miss it but you never hear someone say yeah oh I'm glad I got rid of that (laughs) the only person I've ever heard was on the radio when it was like a uh 
like a, a two-stroke 750 where it was going to kill them if they kept it. That's the only person I've ever heard say, I'm glad I didn't have to ride that bike anymore. Nobody likes getting rid of them. Unfortunately, you can't build your house out of them. I mean, maybe you can, but, um, or you can start. Don't give me ideas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. You're right in that. And you could build a museum. I'm not a, I'm not a bike hoarder. I'm a museum curator. <laughs> so, but, yeah, no, I, I've never heard anybody say, I'm so glad I got rid of that thing. I always hear people say, I'll do anything to get Absolutely. that bike back. Um, you know what, after mentioning that, I immediately thought back to my interview with Dan from Daily Bikers, and I think there's one guy who said he's glad he got rid of a bike, and that was Dan. So out of all of them that you've ridden, what has been your favorite type of riding so far? Favorite type of riding? Um, I mean, especially on your F4i, you sounds like you've done at least a few different types of riding on that bike alone. Yeah, and I know a lot of people, once they start doing track days, you know, at the racetrack, they, they switch to just the track. It's safer than on the street, and it is so much fun. It's such an adrenaline rush, but being on the street and getting lost is, uh, I think that's my all-time favorite. Just uh, long road trips. Um, my boyfriend, he goes, you know, we can take a motorcycle ride that's less than 300 miles, right? Why? No, we can't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> just a day, you know, a day trip. Like, what, what's wrong with that? It's it's just the Mississippi River. It's halfway across the state. That's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and if you have to go get lost somewhere, I mean, what, you guys live in a hotbed of beauty, uh, you know, all around you over there. So, yeah, what the heck? 300 miles is it's, like nothing to you guys. It's, uh, and it's not, you know, a hard freeway or anything. It's yeah. just turn wherever you want to, scenic roads. Yeah. And it's the one time where my mind just, like, shuts off. I agree. I agree. That's It's, it's super peaceful. It's, it's literally two-wheel therapy. It's so cliche, but it, it really is. 300 miles, would that take you, like, five hours? Because here in I L- guess it depends. What the, how windy the roads are and if it's a slab and whatnot, right? Yeah, and if you stop for snacks or because there's something cool, yeah. Yeah, because here in L.A., it takes about five hours just to get about 50 miles. So getting out of the city and, like, if you want to go on a good ride, you got to do a few hundred miles just to get away from here, you know what I mean, and get out in the sticks and, and <laughs> do something worth, worth your while. Otherwise, you'll spend five hours just getting, like, to downtown L.A. and back. I apparently heard that Wisconsin, yeah, I think Wisconsin, what we say is like, oh, yeah, that's two hours away. But other everywhere else goes by miles. Like, yeah, that's that's 60 miles. Yeah, right. But 60 miles to you is, could be four hours, and 60 miles to us would be, oh, that's, you know, an hour away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know what your favorite bike is. And uh, I think it's super cool that it's like your original one and not some crazy one that you, you know, got and rode around for a while and got rid of. What would be your fantasy bike if you could have, you know, no money, no uh, availability? We can go back or forward in time. I always had a thing for the KTM RC8, one of the first years that came out, um, more like the 08. Mm-hmm. I 
I don't know what its use would be because it's way too much of a monster for the street. I'd feel mm-hmm. way too bad to take it on the track, but it, it's just gorgeous and it sounds amazing. And KTM is an amazing bike. Um, realistically, though, what my goal would be is probably a, a Ducati Multistrada. Yeah. Those are cool. I, that's not a lot of people, uh, you know, when everybody thinks Ducatis, everyone goes the sport route. Um, actually, you're like one of the first people to say Multistrada. That's cool. Um, those are <laughs> those are not slow either. I mean, those set a record at Pikes Peak a couple of years ago. Um, I think they were the quickest. The guy wrote it there. I think it was, I forget his name, but he's from the Central Coast. He wrote it there. That gentleman was Carlin Doon. Wrote, raced it and came in like first in class and then wrote it back. <laughs> so, I love crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and I agree. The RC8 is one of my all-time favorite sport bikes. I believe they were sold with a disclaimer, if I remember correctly. Uh, there was some sort of disclaimer on the website or at the dealership that, you know, this bike, be careful, it'll kill you. You know, it's not for... You know, and basically, like, it's for professional use. Like, it was a real deal, and it was straight out of the showroom floor like that. And it, uh, they continue to be, and they quit making them after a couple of years because they were a liability. You know, not, I don't know if sales had to do anything, but it was definitely a li- liability. So, yeah, that's a... Yeah, for UC, for track use only now, really. What about the new MotoGP? Is it the RC16 or whatever that has come out? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been able to keep, uh, I guess I haven't been following that one as well as I should. Yeah. Well, if you ever get a chance, throw a leg over, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's not it's not like, <laughs> just walk ahead. Can I just try this? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. Great. <laughs> I'll be right back. I know it doesn't quite work 100% like that. Um, now, if we're talking ultimate unlimited money, some sort of bike with a sidecar would be up on that list, very mm-hmm. high. Mm-hmm. I know there's not a lot of options for sidecar vehicles now, but it it have to happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I went to a sh- uh, meetup um, last summer, and there was a bike with a sidecar hauling another bike to the show. <laughs> so it was pretty <laughs> rad. They just had like a flatbed sidecar with a bike in it. Um, That's- and- and then last year I went to Willow Springs and they actually had like, you know, the racing sidecars and those are like totally different animals. Cause those are like, you, like bobsleds almost that just have three wheels on them. They're not like, a, they would not be fun to ride around the street at all, you know, but you're, you're talking, yes. you're talking like commute or race. Um, I'm not sure on that. I'd say commute because it would be great to, to take road trips and throw grandma in the sidecar oh, yeah. or, you know, the do- a dog or something. Um, but at Road America, one of our great tracks in Wisconsin, they have Arma races um, coming up shortly, actually, and they do sidecars. And the person in the sidecar or that kind of platform is the monkey. Mm-hmm. So last time I was there, there was someone that saw me and oh you're really excited to be here i'm like oh this is my favorite part when these guys come out he goes well that's my daughter out there why don't you come back to the pits after their race and and i got to ride around the pits in this sidecar and oh my goodness it was it was like christmas no way and they're going you know we're always looking for more monkeys and i'm like 
Oh, well, hmm. You just need your race license. Uh, probably be in shape. You're really moving back and forth. Right. And a special, you know, a special bodysuit with, with extra pucks and weird places. Uh, like on your buns so and your. <laughs> there is, yes, yeah. there is. There's a there's a puck on your your shoulder and your bun instead of on this, you know, a normal street bike where it would be on your knee. Yeah, yeah. So. It's like, dang it, why did you tell me that? You don't, <laughs> Add you, that to the list. Yeah, you don't want that puck to wear out for sure. Hey, everybody, real quick, we're going to take a break with Amber Mole to talk about uh, friends of the show, dailybikers.com. I'm always talking about Dan at Daily Bikers. Every single show, I always bring up Dan, and that's like, for good reason. Dan has a lot of merch, and it's all motorcycle-related. Go check out dailybikers.com. There are ride reviews. There, He's Australian, too, so you get to see uh, biker life from the land down under. He has got gear reviews. He has got like a ton of stuff on his Etsy shop, all motorcycle related. Like I mentioned, he's got cards, candles, um, a coloring book, the three C's dude. Oh my God. It's the three C's of the glories of motorcycling. And he's also got other stuff. He's got prints. He has got, um, wrapping paper. I mean, there's so much stuff on there. I lose track. I go on, then I quit looking, then I go on. And even the little notebook that I got uh, for the show notes is a Daily Biker creation. So if you go on there, uh, check out all the stuff that he's got. uh, Look for some cool stickers if you don't want anything else. You know, your your actual ride may be on there. Um, And then go listen to our interview with Dan. It's back in the 20s, man. You're going to have to like flip back don't don't listen to episode like one through three but uh, go back you can go back into the 20s i think it's 27 and uh, go listen to dan he's a biker through and through um to the max so thanks daily biker dan also i want to say imperfect produce i always say oh this is not an endorsement blah 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 what i mean is this it's a total endorsement it's not a paid endorsement i just really like imperfect produce um you get it for a discount compared to what you would get produce for at the store they deliver it if you're in the bay area or los angeles now listen to me listen to me because you're not going to get this in kentucky or nothing like that or down in uh twackahalla alabama But in the Bay Area and in Los Angeles right now, and they're expanding, you can get a fresh box of customized produce, whether you want it organic, whether you want it to be like all fruit, all veggies, uh, you know, get you get creative, you mix and match, you pick this box, you pick the size, they deliver it to you on your doorstep overnight so that when you open it up in the morning, there's some delicious produce. And basically, this stuff is awesome. My wife had the idea to check them out and give them a try. And I've been gobbling this stuff every day. I had like 14 carrots the other day and I can see three miles now. It's incredible. And all because the produce is just a little wacky looking, whether it's too big, which I got this sweet potato that was like the size of a basketball or too little, which I got a bunch of plums in the same box that were, you know, a little bit bigger than um, like grape size tomatoes. So you know, bigger, little, some people don't like it. I even got a plum that was shaped like a heart. People want a round plum. They don't want a Valentine's day plum for, you know, for to eat. So for whatever the reason, uh, imperfect produce for every, uh, box that you order, I believe they donate a pound of food to the Alameda food bank, which helps families in need. And that's one more reason to like this company imperfectproduce.com. Go check it out. There's a little hashtag that you get on your box. 
And uh, that's you take a selfie with your box and they'll donate some food. You'll get yourself some delicious produce and uh, eat healthier in the meantime. It is straight from the farm to your mouth. Now they do put it in a box and they do have a guy deliver it to your door or a woman. And so it's not directly into your mouth from the ground, um, but it's the next best thing. So try them out. That's uh, imperfectproduce.com and dailybikers.com. Thanks, y'all. So there's no doubt in your mind right now that Amber is a true motorcyclist through and through. But I could had a hard time setting up an interview with her because she was always on her bike or doing something bike related. Let's find out where her journey started. Trying to set up our interview, you were either packing to go to a track day or you were, you know, thinking about your motorcycle, this and that. How did how did you get to where you are right now? How did all that come about? I mean, you got your little F4I and then shot for the moon or what let's back up in time a little bit here well i bought my motorcycle uh saint patty's day of 2010 and uh all was going well meeting new friends we would do group rides so every i think once a week we would meet up and uh heading out to a group ride in october so october 13th 2010 there was two other friends with me. We were headed down a short spot of the freeway to meet up with their group. And um, I got to cross paths with an SUV. Um, he ended up cutting me off and we crashed on the highway. Um, he ended up rolling his SUV and I went down and slid across two lanes of traffic and into the median. Uh, my other friends were just getting off the exit, so they didn't really see. They just kind of looked back and saw a bunch of dust. Um, I got up, and I didn't know I could scream like that. Um, and I, I couldn't see the SUV. I didn't even know where he was because he was way further back, and I slid a lot further, thankfully not uh, getting into contact with other vehicles. Yeah. Um, it turns out he was drunk, very drunk, uh, sixth offense drunk, actually. Nice. Um, and he had paraphernalia with him. And uh, and uh, my friends ended up turning around and, you know, cars are stopped on both sides of the freeway because there's debris everywhere. And I'm standing and I take my helmet off and I'm looking around and there's so much adrenaline. I didn't think I was hurt, didn't know anything. Um, the cops sit me down and, okay, what's the date? Well, it's it's Wednesday, October 13th, 2010. Oh, wow, that's that's more than I realized. Okay, she's not concussed. And, well, ma'am, you know you have road rash, right? Oh, oh, I do? Um, I was pretty good about wearing all my gear, helmet. It was cold, so double pair of pants, jacket, gloves, over-the-ankle boots. Um, but I suppose I didn't realize that I did have road rash uh, down my back and my uh, leg a little bit. And no broken bones. I was very, very fortunate there. Uh, had family with me and recovered quickly, um, physically, I suppose, but mentally. So I was okay mentally. Yeah. Um, my friends picked up, they said they take my motorcycle and, uh, I was in the back of the ambulance. They were going to take me to the hospital. And my friend goes, where's your motorcycle key? I took it out and I put it in my pocket. Uh. I mean, that's, Who's going to steal a motorcycle that's tipped over in the middle of their road? Just not thinking. But that's, 
it's, I guess that's just the habit. And, um, yeah. so yes, mentally I was, or physically I was fine, but mentally, um, I didn't realize what I was in for over time. Um, it took some healing road rash really itches and is like, terrible so wear your gear <laughs> yeah. um well it's crazy that even two pairs of pants you don't realize what a huge block of sandpaper the uh, the road is right until you're sliding down it yeah i think that's what 10 grit yeah at least <laughs> maybe maybe five yeah so it, yeah. it just shredded through there i mean luckily you didn't have shorts or something on you know luckily oh gosh no yeah were, were they the, uh, uh were they jeans or were they padded were they like kevlar pants or were they just jeans it was a pair of like leggings or and a pair of jeans oh okay a, a thick pair of jeans yeah okay good okay just i didn't know if you had like kevlar pants and jeans and it like went through both of those miraculously Oh, that would have been nice if I actually had them on. Um, So this was, I was 21 years old. Um, That's kind of when I got my bike and everything. And uh, so it was, um, I didn't realize the long haul would be ahead of me with, um, I had medical bills, you know, rushed to the emergency room, all these tests and scans, and I had 20,000 in medical bills. And I had liability for myself on my bike and this other driver, this irresponsible six time, six time offender. Let's not six time. offender. Yeah. Let's not forget that it was six times. Yeah. Um, no insurance wasn't even supposed to be driving. Um, the vehicle was his father's. Apparently he's, he was in his sixties too. Um, just not someone high, high up in society. Um, so my own insurance didn't want to pay. So I'm 21 years old trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. I had to sue my own insurance. Uh, that was an interesting way to grow up, yeah. <laughs> you know, to kind of face all that. You're 21. You're supposed to be partying, not suing insurance companies. <laughs> right? Yes. You're supposed to be having fun yes. in so, your 20s. So. So 21 years old, and instead of going out and having fun with my friends and, you know, partying and enjoying that, I am going after my own insurance company, suing them so I could get my medical bills covered and spending my time so angry and so mad and so sad and frustrated because I can't handle being around my friends because if they have a drink or two and drive, I... I'm angry. You know, why would you do this? This is, didn't you learn from what happened to me? And I didn't want to be that friend that just nagged everybody, but nobody could really see or feel what I was going through to, to try to deal with all that stuff. Um, I imagine that was pretty hard. Um, I mean, when something like that happens, whether or not you get right back up and you, you think you're okay. Yeah. It does implant something in you, you know, it's almost like it's sad to say, but I mean, like whether you've got like mugged or been in a terrible accident or been attacked by like a robber or something in your home, like it, there is a permanent um, like tally mark there that you have to like move forward from now, right? And that's a great way to put it. Yeah, like you kind of there's a there's a notch there that you can't undo and you kind of have to restart. I think that's an important thing to talk about because um, 
unless you're crashing, like, you know, you're going to crash at a racetrack or something because you're racing, you're not supposed to get like ran over by a six time drunk driving offender, you know? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and that took a few years to actually follow through with all of that stuff. But obviously on my part mentally, I had to, to do something too. So, um, so I suppose that's where I just kind of, you know, it, it's taken some time to realize this is motorcycling. I love it. This is my sanity. Um, so that was actually on my F4I and I fixed that bike up and, and got it running again the next summer. Um, Good for you. So I think that's kind of what gives me that attachment to that motorcycle too. Right. Yeah. You guys (laughs) have been, when they've been through something, right. You guys have been to hell and back together. Uh, you guys both had a little, a notch there that you have to start over with. That's pretty amazing. Um, is it hard to talk about it too? And, and is it hard to Here I've been making jokes about you going out and partying with your friends, but did it change you? Like, do you not drink because of that? Or, um, are you super aware, like, when somebody's even had a couple drinks and they want to go drive now or something like that? Sure, sure. Um, there's nothing in my life that I would actually change. Um, obviously, you, you're not happy about bad things that happen in your life or in other people's lives. I'm very cognizant of, of that um, with friends drinking or, um, you know, thinking about driving. I kind of learned how to politely say things instead of, you know, nip at people, I suppose. Um, and as far as sensitivity, just a few months ago, he got off of extended supervision. And um, I just kind of realized, you know, it's been seven years, I have to let it go. I just, he still owes me thousands of dollars. But it's just, it's not worth harming myself overthinking about those things there's so much other better things out there yeah yeah you seem like you're don't take this the wrong way but you seem like you're quietly fiery if that makes sense Uh, (laughs) and uh yeah and that'll never change (laughs) yeah no and i could i just uh hearing you talk about it i can tell that you know it piss you off but um not going to let it keep you from riding. And the fact that you got right back on your bike, you know, fixed it up and kept going, that I love. Because too many times you hear people, that happens to them, and they walk away right then and there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what would what would a racer do if, you know, if you could see the future and go, oh, my God, I'm going to crash, like, 17 times, and, like, five of them are going to be hospitalizations? They would never start racing, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, you can't you can't stop when it happens. You just got to keep going on and then hope it doesn't happen. And when it does, be, you know, ready, ready for it, I guess. Um, so that sucks. That sucks. Um, big Swedish meatballs, as a matter of fact. <laughs> What, after the crash, your post-crash life, you did a little bit of, you know, it sounds like you worked through it and it's been seven years. Um, you're still 21. I don't know how that works out, but um, it's amazing. You, you Wisconsin <laughs> folks are magical. Um, so, yeah, when you, your post-crash life led you to do something that you're doing today, which is a rider coach, correct? Not a race instructor, but a track day instructor. Okay. So- Anyone that is new to the track and super nervous and wants to do a track day but 
doesn't know where to go and what to do, um, I kind of am the, I suppose, liaison for that. Okay. Um, I work with a attractive organization called Motovid, and their beginner class is you have a little bit of classroom session, and then you, have, you go out and ride, and then some more classroom session, then go out and ride. And in the classroom session, we have some students assigned to each of us, and they follow us around the track. Then I have them pass, and we kind of watch how they're riding and give tips. Um, because there's, I mean, to each different, to every type of riding, there is a different science and technique for it. So there's always something to be learned, and uh, it's a totally different thing being on the track compared to the street. So they have, we're called control riders or coaches to um, kind of help out with that. Do you want to talk about that real quick, like exactly um, how that transition occurred? So after I uh, was in a crash and fixed the bike up and I slowly started going again, just riding um, riding around town and, and, and things like that. And um, finally, you know, made some new friends and then was able to take it to, you know, try riding at the drag strip. And uh, it slowly kind of, it was kind of rolled into place. Um, I got more confident, um, kind of got out there a little more, was a little more social. I uh, took my first solo motorcycle trip down to, from Wisconsin to um, North Carolina to the Outer Banks. And so that was about 2,400 miles. So that was a huge confidence booster to do such a big road trip solo by myself, just and it's so much fun. Just so it, it continued to escal- escalate. Then I did a track day. I had a friend help me out, bring me to the track, and I met one of my now greatest friends, um, Harry Worth. He's a retired professor. Um, he works at the track, and he he worked with me a little bit at the track, and uh, was really impressed. And we became really close friends. He was a um, a rider coach. Uh, MSF instructor and he said you know you'd be kind of good at this you should give it a try and I just you know what yeah you're right and um, so in 2015 I got trained to become a uh, MSF rider coach and I teach where I actually learned to ride Crazy. never I would have never thought of that that's like a full circle I mean that's pretty amazing Absolutely. And I wish the coach that taught me was still there because I, I would love to thank him. Yeah. And, um, and that was in 2009 when I took that class. And so I got certified 2015 and taught my first class, uh, last year. I, or two, yep. So 2016, I actually got Harley certified then. So I could teach with the Harley organization as well. And um, I didn't realize how much training it would actually be. You'd, you'd think it would be just, okay, here's the clutch, here's the throttle, go. It is a lot of safety and psychological, listen, these are the different ways people learn, and, it, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, the MSF organization is actually based out of California, and um, there's a lot of psychology to it, and uh, it's fantastic yeah i'm so happy that i've started this i call it my 
long-term part-time job. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Long-term part-time. That's great. Um, that, I mean, you have you have all the experiences, all the right experiences to be able to talk to people about it too, right? I mean, you've got thousands of miles under your belt. You've got a crash under your belt. You've got track days under your belt. I couldn't think of a more qualified person to, you know, <laughs> if I was going to show up there, heck yeah, I want somebody like Amber, you know, showing me the ropes here and telling me everything is going to be okay, even if I do something wrong and go down, <laughs> you know, that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. They're trying to get away from the old guys. Cause that's, you know, usually who teaches you how to ride a motorcycle, an old guy with a big beard. Yeah. Well, they, they kind of want to switch it up a little bit and have all sorts of people. You got like a little beard. So, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no beards. I'm kidding. Um, no, that's yeah. That, um, you know, they, I think that having like with, learning anything having new blood come in and it is always important but that's great that somebody recognized that talent in you and said hey i want i want you to come try this out because it sounds like you do an amazing job and it's it's funny how it seems like sometimes people see the potential in you before you even realize it um so uh i'm i'm so happy that i do that and to teach, to know that I'm teaching people the right way of doing things now, especially after the experience, like just please wear your gear, please be safe and, you know, really pay attention on the road and all of these little tips in class. I get it now. I, I truly get it all. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, you know, are you guys riding, you get to do the Harley stuff you said. So do you get to ride the, like the street 750s or 500s at the Harley? Yep. We ride on street 500s. Yeah. Crazy. Those are so, I've only seen a couple in the wild. Um, I mean, I've seen some 750s, but I've, I don't think I've ever seen the 500 jet in the wild. Um, I know they had to replace the Buell Blast, you know what I mean? And, uh, took mm-hmm. them, a, took them a little while to do it, but are they, are they as fun, as much fun to do as, the other, I'm assuming the MSF is like Nighthawk 250s and Rebel 250s or something. Yeah, they're they're getting a bunch of different ones, so they fit different heights. But um, Harley sticks with the Street 500. Uh, it's actually a little easier than the Buell Blast used to be, and um, they're pretty smooth, pretty fun to ride. All motorcycles are fun to ride. Oh, yeah. Um, with with uh, Gateway and the state programs i suppose you could call them they have a whole bunch of different bikes and some of those you know you've got a dirt bike style and so when you have to do a figure eight or something it's like oh come on this is this is easy this thing turns no problem and um but it's doable on all of them so it's kind of fun the different challenges you you have to be able to ride every demo perfectly and exaggerate you know your head turn and the braking but you have to hop on any bike that they have and do every demo. Yeah. So it's it's kind of fun because I guess you just got to remember the own, your own tips that you're telling them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there like a day where you have to go and do like a rider training or like a refresher so that they're not just throwing something at you and they're like, oh, you stuck your foot down. Now all the students are going to be like, what? <laughs> they did it uh, wrong. We have a little binder that we go by it's kind of like our bible and we have to kind of read it verbatim we have to keep our exercises in order just so it's good building blocks um our expectations to stay a coach is uh you have to continue 
education every year, you still have to take some sort of riding class or seminar just to keep you fresh. Um, The the different certificates, though, I mean, getting certified, that was three different weeks uh, of training just for MSF. And then Harley was a different week altogether. I actually went down to New New Mexico to get trained for Harley. Uh, And then you have to have, of course, your first aid. And uh, so there's a lot of training that goes into it. And it's a lot of time. You really have to be devoted to it and know that this is something you want to do. And it is, I didn't realize how tiring it would be. Yeah. Uh, You have 12, you have 12 students that are they're big, you know, beginners or they've been, everyone's at different levels and you're running around setting up this, the different exercises and trying to teach them and coach. And, you know, you want to stay smiling and happy and have fun. And so at the end of the day, you're just so exhausted and your feet are, you know, that your feet hurt, but it is so worth it to hear some of the stories of why people are there and how happy and excited they are. It's, it's worth all of it. Hey guys and ladies, we normally wrap up the show right here at about an hour and a half, but we've got about 20 more minutes talking to Amber. I didn't really want to break it into two parts because what she has to say is is so cool and she's so involved in the volunteer scene and stick around, get a drink, uh, take a little stretch, uh, play you like one minute of music because we don't want to waste too much time, but uh, stick around, take a stretch, pause it right here if you need to use the bathroom. Did that come first before the track days or was it vice versa? I started doing some track days first. Okay. Um, I wasn't a coach for the track yet. Uh-huh. Uh, that came shortly after. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> when girls come through the rider course, are they excited to see a teacher that's, you know, female and does track days and all that great stuff? I definitely think it helps. Um, uh-huh. If I'm teaching for the state program, you don't really mention yourself a lot. It's it's just about them. Yeah. You don't, you know, you mention your name and how long you've been riding, but you don't go into details as far as what you do. Yeah. Um, or, but then with Harley, it's it's a lot more personable and more lax. It's just that's Harley, you know, yeah. they're just friendly and chill, and um, so so you get to kind of share more personal stories like that. Yeah. I do think it helps the females. You don't necessarily know all the time. I know they speak with each other, but there's been times where, you know, after class or, you know, you get a, someone messaged me and just, Hey, I, you know, I really appreciate that. And, um, I know for some of the guys sometimes, you know, when they come on my side of the range and they're practicing an exercise, they, they do, you know, you, you make me nervous. It's like, Oh, come on, stop it. Just, (laughs) you know, we're all the same here. No one's better than anyone else. And you're you're not going to impress me or or let me down. You're, you know, you're learning. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's funny. That's great. This is cheesy, but any lessons or takeaways for you or anything that you, I guess you can't do it in your state class, but anything that you have learned over your time as a writer and through your experience that you give away to people, like little takeaways for them? One of the biggest things I've learned since becoming a coach is perception. One person might see something, you know, one way, while the other person might not have even noticed that. Or uh, so I know this. What what we teach is, you know, what you're looking for on the road, or someone might not see a motorcycle. But not only does it have to go with what you're looking at, but it's also how you're talking with people. And um, you know, if someone seems like they're super nervous or scared. When really that's just how they look because that's how their form of learning or so it's really just like no judgments and uh... yeah I mean yeah that's how it should be yeah let's talk real quick when you're not uh, when you're not at the track and you're not at, at the MSF course or the Harley course what type of stuff do you like to do in your spare time besides you know plan buildings plan building your museum for all the motorcycles you keep in it (laughs) um i like hiking and um kind of sightseeing different things um i i have a house on the river so i like to throw the kayaks down and in river in the river and um not just down not just like down on the ground (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I did recently, I don't have time for a dog, so I picked up some pet ducks. <laughs> and uh, so they kayak with me. And um, Do they like motorcycles? I was thinking, you know what, I drove the CR, CRF in the backyard and they didn't run from it. Huh. They were like, they peeked around the fence and they were kind of curious, so that's cool. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe they'll fit in the saddlebags pretty good. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Take them on a <laughs> little duck ride. Um, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And then obviously you do still ride like you used to, you know, like thousand mile trips, you know, day, you know, a few hours each time. I haven't had a lot of, uh, motorcycle time this year. My street bike needs some maintenance. The motor is out. So actually tomorrow we're going to be diagnosing, um, what's wrong with the motor and, and fix just a little valve problem uh, and put that back together um i i still plan on doing that stuff yeah, I, yeah. occasionally we we'd uh, kind of sneak some of the ducatis from from the demos uh at the friend shop and take those around t- town for a cruise so um i helped him i actually got to lead the demo rides this year and i think that's going to be something i do more now so he was, uh, the owner's pretty generous to say, hey, you know, here, take the, you know, take the bike out, try it out, see what you think. Yeah. It's nice to have friends like that. Friends with Ducatis are always welcome. <laughs> 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 um, and so looking, looking to the future here, let's look like, I don't know, let's look 10 years. Let's not go too crazy, but any any future plans that you have for like the next five to 10 years? Like, are you going to stay on this path or do you intend to like ramp it up somehow go crazy, start your own discovery network, moto rider show? 
Well, I was pretty good at the ice biking, so I'd kind of be interested in trying to race a few people.、Um, we'll see how that goes. Maybe if it's just a charity race or something, I need to work on my passing.、Um, I definitely plan to always continue to be an MSF instructor for、uh, state and Harley, and、uh, also an instructor at the track with、uh, Motovid. I'd like to continue working with them and. Possibly race. I, I think that、uh, before I jump into racing, I'd like to really make sure I know what I'm doing and, and get good at passing and kind of up my skills a little bit more.、Um, but that might be in the future, so we'll see. Yeah, that sounds cool. I mean, heck, as long as it's motorcycle related, I mean, it sounds like you got so much fun stuff going on. I couldn't imagine you, you know. You're on a bike so much that I, I couldn't imagine this like going somewhere else besides either toward racing or toward you know, some sort of bike related activity. My future goals are、um, volunteer. I took a year off and I actually went and volunteered down in Costa Rica and、uh, got to do some traveling. I'd, I'd like to do some more volunteering、uh, now that I have to you know, have a job again. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? No.、Um, that's that's kind of one of my big things.、Um, working with the track organization, I'm not actually technically getting paid. We are kind of volunteering for the track. So that's kind of an agreement there.、Um, you get track time and, like, you know, you yeah, get a ride, we're right? Yeah, we're pretty much exactly.、Yeah. So for me helping out, they kind of give me some track time. And, yeah.、Uh, That's not a bad t r a d e I think、trade. that's worth it. Yeah, for sure. No, you know what? Costa Rica uh, quickly becoming, uh, to,、uh, on two fronts, quickly becoming a place that needs a lot of volunteers and also quickly becoming、um, a moto destination.、Um, I don't know if there's a way for you to do both at the same time, but I mean, that's definitely a possibility. That sounds like a pretty amazing,、um, amazing goal. And, you know, a lot of people have goals. And not all the time to help people. So that's pretty admirable. All right, everybody, we're getting near the end. Our last segment is I asked Amber about any crazy, spontaneous, long distance riding that she's done. Here's her answer. I'll share a little story with、uh, when I was in New Mexico for training to be a, a Harley coach.、Um, I, I had some friends down there that we met, of course, my little friends that I walked up to and said, Hi, I like your bike, let's be friends, type of thing. Um, so, I joined their riding group, and after my coaching, I, just, I stayed down there a little longer. And okay, I'm going to go back this weekend. And I said, No, you should stay one more weekend. We are、uh, going to go for one more ride. So, someone was gracious enough to let me borrow their Yamaha Tenere. Oh my goodness, gorgeous bike. And so, we took a ride from Albuquerque, New Mexico, to Pink's Hot Dogs. Oh, in LA. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we rode all the way to LA just for a hot dog. Why not? And back. <laughs> and after that ride, I, I thought, you know what? I could do this、uh, Edelweiss Tours. Maybe I'll work for Edelweiss Tours. That's my future longtime goal, is I suppose just travel the world on a motorcycle、right. everywhere. All right, peeps, McGeeps. That was our show. That was Amber Mall. If you'd like to get a hold of her, listen to this. If people want to get a hold of you, or if you want people to keep tabs on what you're doing and, and get excited about you know, moto coaching, ice riding, all this great stuff, where can people find you? 
I do have a Facebook page that is Amber Mall Motorcyclist, Amber Mall, comma, Motorcyclist, and that is strictly motorcycle. Um, when I have a class, I kind of post that on there, all that fun stuff, new things that I'm doing. Um, and then the Facebook page, I'll have my little ducky pictures on there and some of my projects that I do, along with motorcycle projects and riding. Um, and that is Chloe F4I, and that's Instagram. And that is also the name of her bike. All right, everybody, don't forget to check out Fans Choice this weekend for all the flat track action. Go to AmericanFlatTrack.com for the full schedule of events. Um, don't forget also Elkhart Lake, Lake Wisconsin is Moto America this weekend. And I'm not 100% sure what else is going down. Uh, next week, I'll have a full list of weekend fun activities for y'all. But I hope you enjoyed hearing Amber and I yap it up a little bit. Have a good weekend. I don't want to send people to to see pictures of your crash, but they they are up, and um, you can you can see what you've been through and what you've had to do to come this far. And I think it's a pretty great story, actually. I'm, I'm excited to share it with other people. Hey, did want to mention one thing: June 11th, Cretans Swap Meet, Burbank. Check out their Facebook page, uh, Motor Two Wheel. Oh God. I'll just put it, I'll link it to our page. That's the easiest thing to do. I'm really happy that you had me, and it, it's really nice to kind of share my story. Um, the motorcycle community is amazing, and uh, I mean, we are a family. June 17th, Johnny J and the Flatfoot Fujis are going to be playing Cardelaine, Cardelaine, Idaho. Check out their Facebook page for more info. Thank you so much, Amber, for hanging out with us tonight. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you very much for having me. All right, no problem. We'll talk to you later. And that was Amber Mole from uh, Burlington, Wisconsin. The only email I saw is that they canceled a pair of shoes I ordered. Oh, dude, that's never good. (laughs) You could have a a boyfriend in every country. (laughs) There you go. When I drop off, do I look like (laughs) like I stopped in (laughs) mid-sentence? It's adorable. Yeah. All right, we are here. We have a special guest. The uh... All right, I'm going to blow this... Scratch that. So, I love crazy people. Or just one no. pair of pants. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you mentioned... So, so I wrote this down. This is uh, my own personal question. No cheese farming or um, <laughs> anything like that. I don't know what they do in Wisconsin. I, I just know that they're, everyone's always talking about cheese and tacos. Um Nitrous Chris didn't mind that I sent his information to anybody, he said. So I gave it to the Russians. Well, I told Kushner. And he's going to tell the Russians via a secret back channel. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah, I think he was more excited that his girlfriend actually kicked his butt. Good luck out there, 
at Wisconsin International Raceway. Hats off to you, Kukana. I love you, goddammit. I love you.